the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. I have spent my professional life in journalism. Not proudly, I might add. And over the weekend, the Washington Post. Uh, well, let me say, the editors at the Washington Post, if they would ever want to be the drum major at Ohio State, I think they would have the one requisite skill you have to have. You know how the drum major runs down the ramp at Ohio Stadium? And he runs out there to center, uh, the center of the field. And then he, he bends backward and he touches the little feathery tip of his uh, marching band cap to the turf while bending over backwards. The Washington Post uh, can do that trick. I can't do it, but they can do it. They are uh, bending over backward to exonerate themselves for not covering the Hunter Biden laptop story in advance of the 2020 presidential election. Over the weekend, they ran a story called Unraveling the Tale of Hunter Biden and $3.5 million from Russia. Now, this is from their uh, fiction writer slash fact checker, Glenn Kessler. And what's noteworthy about this is Glenn Kessler says that the reason why the Washington Post is now looking into this is because of a March 29th, 2022 quote from Donald Trump. And Donald Trump said this a little over two weeks ago. She, meaning Russian billionaire Elena Baterina, gave him, meaning Hunter Biden, $3.5 million. So now I would think Putin would know the answer to that. I think he should release it. I think we should know that answer. In other words, about two weeks ago, Donald Trump said, hey, this billionaire who used to be married to the mayor of Moscow, not Idaho, Russia, Moscow, Russia, gave Hunter Biden $3.5 million. And Vladimir Putin probably knows why she gave him $3.5 million. So we should ask Putin to tell us why. So that quote from Donald Trump two weeks ago is why the Washington Post fiction writer, fact checker, Glenn Kessler, now says, oh, what, what, what an allegation. We have to look into this. Well, I did a little Internet searching, and I found that in advance of the 2020 presidential election, Donald Trump mentioned Hunter Biden, Russia, and Elena Bacharina at least 42 different times. 42. Why the Washington Post, prior to the presidential election of 2020, 
did not deem any of those 42 mentions to be worth a deep dive on whether the money changed hands and why it changed hands. Well, they don't explain that in this story in the Washington Post right now, which they say, they say it's, it's nuanced. Okay. So what does it play here is catch-up in advance of what is a possible or even probable Hunter Biden indictment. Because if all of a sudden, out of the blue, Hunter Biden gets indicted for things he did with Russia, China, energy companies in both adversarial nations, and the Washington Post's essential last mention of Hunter Biden was, uh, I don't know, not related to his laptop because they never bothered to report that, it'd be a little embarrassing to try to cover up and say, oh, well, uh, he's indicted because uh, of a laptop that we just found out about. Everybody would know that's a lie. So they have to do some preliminary damage control. So anything they're reporting now, anything CBS is reporting now, anything any of the major networks and newspapers, New York Times included, is reporting right now, is a hedge so that when or if Hunter Biden is indicted, they can say, what are you talking about? We buried that story. We didn't bury that story. We wrote about that last week. We're all over that story. As a side note, I can only imagine how frustrating it must be for Catherine Herridge, who in her time at Fox News did tremendous reporting, uh, for Catherine Herridge to go to CBS and bang her pretty little head against the wall over the last two years trying to get the Hunter Biden story on CBS and getting roadblocked at every turn. Now, maybe she's turned politically. Maybe she likes um, being a lapdog for the Democratic Party. I don't know. But she's now reporting on it with the fervor that she used to show at Fox News. So these networks and these big newspapers are interested in this. And I think they are interested in it only because they're trying to save themselves from being exposed, and they would be exposed because there's a lot of stuff on that laptop that the New York Times now says, oh, that laptop's legit. There's a lot of stuff on that laptop that makes Joe Biden look like the liar he is and has always been when he says, I never talked to my son about any of my business dealings. Never talked to him. Now, I have said before how stupid this is. If you had a son or daughter, And I came up to you and I said, hey, what's your son or daughter doing these days? What are they doing for a living? What profession did they choose? How many of you would say, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, they drive a really nice car and their lifestyle suggests that they spend a lot of money. They travel the world. But what they do, I don't know. I never asked them. Would that be a plausible response for you? No, of course not. Would not be a plausible response for any parent anywhere. So I can say it, but it has a little bit more gravitas if Kimberly Strassel from the Wall Street Journal says essentially the same thing. It strains credulity because, look, first of all, we're meant to believe that this family is very tight, very close. Uh This is something that Joe Biden says all the time, how much he's involved in his son's life. And yet at the same time, we're meant to understand that he knew nothing about what Hunter did on a day-to-day basis. Also add in there, remember, he was actually along with his father on various trips on Air Force Two, uh, going around the world and and, and engaging in business meetings while his dad was on uh, political 
political business? Did they just not talk the whole time? I mean, there's a certain level here where it just doesn't make any sense. And the White House is starting to finally get some questions, but it's still not offering any answers. Not any real answers. I mean, you know, Hunter Biden's a private citizen. Uh, the president didn't know anything about this. I've pointed out the absurdity of Hunter Biden accompanying the vice president at the time, Joe Biden, on Air Force Two. It's not like he flew commercial. He flew on Air Force Two. Hunter Biden gets on that plane. Don't you have to have a reason for being on that plane? Wouldn't that reason have to be documented when accompanying his father? It's a daddy-father. It's a father-son trip to Beijing. Sorry, Joe, you're on official business. Can't take your kid along. Take him to a Nationals game some night if you want to spend time with your son on your own time. So they fly to China. Hunter Biden's on the plane. Gets back on the plane, flies home. Oh, I never talked to him about what he was doing here. I just thought he was a sightseeing. Sure. Why is this important? Why is this important? If you don't know, let Kimberly Strassel, Wall Street Journal, explain it to you. It matters because it gets to the crucial question, which is the tie between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, right? I mean, this is this has been the big thing. People talking about whether or not what Hunter done is corrupt or and and the federal government is looking into that. We have an investigation. But the reason we're paying attention to Hunter is because uh, of the question of whether or not he was cashing in on his family's name and whether or not that has therefore exposed the White House and our current sitting president to any liability, whether it be extortion or counterintelligence threats, and it's impossible to know that as long as the White House continues to insist that the president knew nothing of Hunter's dealings, even though we have a lot of growing evidence to suggest that 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 was not necessarily the case. Now, I don't put it past this White House to not know chapter and verse Hunter's dealings. I don't put it past them. But what do you think Russia has on him? What do you think China has on Hunter Biden? Do you think Russia and China were unaware that Hunter Biden was in-country doing business with major energy companies as his father was vice president of the United States? And Do you think that Vladimir Putin and Chairman Xi from the highest levels didn't say, draw him in as much as you can, because the more we get on him, the more we'll have on his father if his father ever becomes president of the United States, or just if his father is useful to us in case we need a favor and he has to do us the favor because he is fearful of what we will expose given what we know about drawing Hunter Biden deeper into our web. Also, Wilford Riley, Will underscore duh underscore beast on Twitter. I've had Will on before. He's amazing. We'll get him back on. He tweets something that's very, very, very insightful. He says, the idea that it is not a big deal that the United States president's son spent years running around the world cutting international business deals that the president probably knew about while his son was smoking crack on video is a heck of an example of spin. Yes, it is a heck of an example of spin. And that's why now, realizing that they have been entangled in their own spin, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the networks are doing what they can to untangle themselves from their own entanglements on the Hunter Biden story before it breaks even bigger than it has been since the beginning 
even though they diminished it as best they could. So I don't think we needed further proof that Elon Musk is one of the smartest guys in the world when it comes to business, right? He's grown Tesla into this major company. Uh, His um, private space exploration is uh, SpaceX, pretty amazing. He gave some kind of internet satellite thingies to people in Ukraine so they could have internet service during Russia's invasion so that the pictures of what was really going on could get out. Elon Musk, really smart guy. And there were a lot of headlines lastly, last week when Elon Musk invested a bunch of his money to become the major shareholder in Twitter. He grabbed 9%, 9 point, I think 2% of Twitter. He became the largest shareholder of Twitter. He had four times more Twitter stock than Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter. And everybody applauded that, like, oh, okay, great. Maybe Elon Musk is going to take over Twitter. And then people got more excited when, oh, look, Twitter has offered Elon Musk a position on its board of directors. Wow, we got a free speech advocate and Elon Musk on the board of Twitter. And then over the weekend, Elon Musk declined to join the board of director of Twitter's. And it was his decision. It was not Twitter's decision. And the view of this was, at least from the market's perspective, bad for Twitter. The stock fell. So this is why I think Elon Musk is brilliant. So Elon Musk announces that he's going to join the board. Well, when you join the board of Twitter, you are restricted in how much Twitter stock you can buy. He could not buy, as a member of the Twitter board of directors, more than 14% of the stock. Can't take over a company if you own only 14%. Now, by declining a spot on the board of directors, Elon Musk can buy as much Twitter stock as he wants. And with the price of Twitter stock falling, because people were like, Ah, bummer, man. Musk is not going to join the board. We're not going to get the benefit of all his SpaceX and Tesla brilliance. Twitter stock went down, so he can acquire more of it. More of it. And the view of a lot of smart people, including venture capitalist Vivek Ramswani, is that if you're a free speech advocate, if you're someone who wants Donald Trump, who else got banned this weekend? Somebody got banned this weekend. It was nuts. Babylon B's been banned. Uh, I forget who it was that got banned. Somebody got banned this weekend. I'm about to be banned. Anytime, all the stuff I tweet about the evils of transgenderism. Uh, and I'm a blue check mark on Twitter. I'm shocked I haven't been banned yet. But uh, I stand for truth. You stand for truth. So here's Vivek Ramswani telling what he thinks is behind Musk's decision to decline a spot on the board of directors at Twitter. I have to say that I think he's going to be more effective at driving change off the board than on the board. I was personally happy when I saw Elon Musk announce his 9-plus percent stake in the company. I was a little disappointed when I saw them agree to give him one board seat because I know how the managerial class plays this game. He's going to be one of 12 on the board, subject to constraints about what he can and can't say, what he can and can't do, how much more he can and cannot buy up to 14% per the standstill agreement. I think he's going to be much more effective now as the top shareholder 
by far, driving change as a voice from the outside and potentially unconstrained with respect to how much he can actually buy. So I think this is actually a positive development. Now, Musk is one of the rare, rare, rare people who has enough money to do what he wants to do. Generally, however, these companies that drive a lot of the conversation in our country do it how? They do it via lobbying efforts of legislators, and the lobbying efforts take a ton of money. Or these companies can drive it via lobbying efforts not to politicians, but by giving it directly to causes that they support, BLM, Antifa, Planned Parenthood, Human Rights Commission, on and on and on. Jeff Bezos has that kind of money. His ex-wife, Mackenzie Scott, has that kind of money. Bill Gates has that kind of money. Okay? So, it's not good, but at least you know where it's coming from. It's more nefarious when it comes from someone who's faceless. And right now I'm going to talk about BlackRock. BlackRock is a big like venture capital firm. They manage the assets for like 11 of the biggest companies in America. They manage the assets for Coke, for Pepsi, for Unilever, for Johnson & Johnson, for Heinz, for Procter & Gamble. Okay, now you may not know this, but you go to the store and you browse the aisles and you're going to buy, oh, you're going to buy laundry detergent. And you're going to buy Tide, you're going to buy Cheer, you're going to buy whatever you're going to buy. There's a very good chance if you look on the label in the teeny weeny fine print, Tide and Cheer probably owned by the same company. Probably owned by the same company. I don't know if it's Unilever. I don't know if it's Procter & Gamble. But you'll find cleaning supplies, all these owned by the same company. And BlackRock manages the assets for all these companies. So what BlackRock does behind the scenes is they decide via their influence over the company who's going to be on the board. they got conservative board members. they got people who aren't on board with giving money to Planned Parenthood, aren't giving money to this and that woke cause out there aren't on board with giving money to Democratic politicians? Oh, we'll just bounce them off the board. How can you do that? We manage your assets. We control what you do. We control what you do from afar. This is how the corporate world has worked for decades. Just now, Democrats have become so emboldened, I think probably full of themselves over being able to get rid of Trump, that this is coming out in the open, and we're starting to see these companies that proudly donate to Black Lives Matter and other crazed initiatives out there. But Musk, Musk, it's always dangerous to put your faith in one person, but Musk is one of those guys who can fight against this. Vivek Ramaswamy on the fact that Musk has backing, but just not from the fact, I mean, he has backing for people who are influential. There's just nobody who's really as influential because of his wealth, unless it's Bezos, than Elon Musk. Over the last week, over the last few days, I've actually had an opportunity on unrelated matters to talk to some of the top venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. The topic of Elon Musk comes up. He has a lot of people quietly rooting for him to drive change here and shake things up. Mm -hmm. None of them will actually say it publicly, and that's exactly why he needs to be doing it, is we have this culture of fear in the Valley, in corporate America, and using shareholder power to be able to drive that change from the top, I think is actually one of the most promising ways to do it. So I'm really rooting for success here. Yeah, and an important distinction here, too, is, like, companies are supposed to make decisions according to the welfare of their shareholders. But that doesn't necessarily mean they make decisions based upon the desires of their shareholders. 
the welfare of the shareholders has to do with the profitability profitability of the company. The viewpoint of their shareholders, I mean, look, in a big company like Procter & Gamble or Unilever, J&J, one of those big companies, well, they got people invested in those across the board, Republicans and Democrats. Do you think the Republican investors' view of social issues is being represented by the boards of directors of those companies? No chance. No chance. So this is why Musk is a uniquely transformative figure in that he is pro-free speech. I don't know if he's a conservative, but he's pro-free speech, and Twitter is a platform of speech. So this is why it's good to have a guy with his coin and his brilliance seeing that the board is not the place for him to affect the most change. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.